Welcome to Listening Well, friends. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Stephanie, your host. And this week, I'll be sharing with you a little bit about what my favorite drinks are. Now, this is a very subjective episode, I am fully aware. But I think there are a few nuggets of gold that you can take with you or at least experiment in case you aren't aware about them. But these are the drinks that I just can't live without. And no, I'm not talking about my favorite cocktails, although I can probably dive into that in another episode, but rather the beverages that fuel me with energy, that make me feel fabulous, and even act as remedies when I feel sick. Now, the king of all drinks and the most important liquid that I will ever have is, of course, water. If I were to pick one drink to have for the rest of my life, it would be water. But we all know that water is essential to life and is kind of boring to talk about. So I'm going to skip the water part and move on to the more exciting, flavorful drinks that I always have in the fridge or pantry. The first drink I'd like to talk about is kombucha. There's been a huge boom in the kombucha craze, and for good reason. I don't have many subscriptions in life, but my kombucha subscription is one that I cherish oh so dearly. Because when kombucha is brewed to perfection, it can literally hit the mouth's G-spot. Kombucha, if you don't know what it is, it's a fermented tea drink, but I see it as a kind of tonic or this special elixir for health. If you've ever had a fermented drink or food before, you know that some type of yeast is required in the fermentation process. It's made by introducing a SCOBY, symbiotic colony of bacteria and yeast, SCOBY, into brewed black or green tea. Sugar is then added to the mixture as this is what the yeast feeds off of. It feeds off of the sugar. You let the mix then just sit and settle and ferment for a week or up to even three weeks. And what happens is that the yeast in the kombucha continues to gobble away at the sugar. And what's left behind is a small trace of alcohol and other organic acids. Hmm, maybe that's why I love kombucha so much. I get a little zing to my step after I drink a bottle. But, you know, small amounts of alcohol, of course like traces, like 0.04%. But with each batch that you brew, the SCOBY becomes bigger and bigger. And by the end of it, it looks like, kind of looks like a bunch of gooey pancakes stacked on top of one another. The fizziness of the kombucha depends on how long you ferment the mixture, which is why there is this art of brewing kombucha. And it's so complex because there are so many variables that come into play when it comes to making kombucha taste just right, with just the right amount of fizz. Now, I have sampled and tasted all kinds of kombuchas in my life from different countries, different brands, and there were some brands that didn't ferment their kombucha enough, which made it taste kind of like an iced tea. And there were others that were over-fermented to the point that it started tasting like vinegar. But, oh my gosh, there is no better feeling than cracking open a bottle of kombucha after a long day of work. It really gives me that same satisfaction at the end of the day as a cold pint of beer does. 
So especially if I choose to go dry for a month or choose to not drink alcohol, I usually turn to kombucha as a substitute. Kombucha does wonders for my stomach and digestion. I'm not kidding. My tummy actually feels like it flattens out after I drink a kombucha. I'm not too sure why. You know, when you drink beer, you start to feel a little bit bloated. There's this sort of inflation in your body. With kombucha, it just doesn't happen. Or maybe I'm just such an advocate for kombucha that I believe it's shedding the pounds off me. But, you know, I'll take the placebo effect. All I can say is that the mixture of caffeine from the tea and that slight trace of alcohol from the fermentation process acts as the perfect formula for that boost of energy I need during the day. Eating or drinking anything fermented is said to be good for the microbiome in your gut. The probiotics and live cultures that come from fermented products help when you have any digestive issues, including IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, constipation, or even diarrhea. I personally prefer my kombucha to be made using green tea, just for the added antioxidant benefits. Oftentimes, however, I see kombucha brewers actually mix the green tea and black tea together as well. And they go even a step further and make this so creative by having a second fermentation process that happens when you harvest that first batch of kombucha as it is, but then ferment it again, but this time adding fruits to it, like crushed grapes, lychees, bananas are a fantastic fruit to ferment your kombucha in once you've harvested it. And this is what gives kombucha that variety of flavors that you often see in stores. But currently, I don't brew my own kombucha. Honestly, a few years back, I was brewing it religiously in my kitchen, and it kind of turned into some kind of mad scientist lab. Living in Southeast Asia, it's so hard to avoid flies and bugs and creepy crawlies, because where there is sugar, there are pests. So instead, I decided to subscribe to a monthly kombucha subscription with what I think is the best kombucha in Singapore. Now, I've tried a lot of kombucha, like I'm telling you, and I would really like to take this moment to give a big shout out to my friends at Forest Brew. They're run by two sisters who began this company as a means to battle their eczema. And I love them so much because they have so many creative, unique flavors, like beetroot, carrot, and apple flavor. They've got chrysanthemum and goji berries. They've got a mint lime flavor as well. And I'm not kidding you guys, they have the formula down perfectly because every week I get that exact same fizz feel that I did the week before. So if you do live in Singapore yourself and want a weekly subscription or to try it out in the first place, they've been so generous to give our Listening Well podcast audience a 10% discount. You can simply use the code LISTENINGWELL upon checkout. And since we're on the topic of tea, another drink that I always have in my pantry is green tea. No, not just the Lipton tea bags that you get at the store. I try to have at least five different varieties of green tea. Loose leaf. While my British half definitely loves an English breakfast tea with a teaspoon of sugar and a splash of milk in the morning, 
Sometimes my body craves a more refreshing, cleansing taste and feel in my mouth. And a hot cup of green tea does just that. Green tea is known for having so many antioxidants and bioactive compounds such as polyphenols. Believe it or not, my go-to hangover drink is in fact green tea. It just tastes and feels so healing when I drink it, like the whole inside of my digestive tract is getting a good rinse out. It also has that plus by being relatively high in caffeine, which, you know, is always a bonus. But being born in Taiwan and having spent most of my formative years living there, I was exposed to so many different kinds of green tea growing up. I remember going into these elaborate tea stores where pouring and drinking tea is considered an art form amongst the Taiwanese. I mean, they take their tea drinking seriously, I tell you. Taiwan's mountainous terrain creates some of the best environments for growing tea, especially that yummy oolong tea with its rich, complex aroma. Mm. It is said that there are over 1,500 different types of green tea, which is mind-boggling. But you've probably heard of the most common ones like oolong, pu'er, shen cha tea from the Japanese, matcha, and the fragrant genmaicha or brown rice tea from Japan. They are all so wonderfully distinct in aroma and flavor, and it's just amazing to think that most of these teas come from the same exact plant. Yeah, you've heard it. All tea comes from the same plant. I was touring through a tea plantation in Sri Lanka a few years back, and it was here that I learned that green tea, black tea, white tea, and even oolong tea all come from the same plant. So there's no green tea plant or black tea plant. There's just a tea plant. The difference in flavors and price and brew times are distinguished according to the production process the tea leaves undergo before they reach your cup. So for example, green tea are the young leaves of the tea plant, which are then dried immediately to prevent oxidation, which keeps the leaves light and fresh. But to make black tea, on the other hand, the more mature leaves are taken from the plant and then are set out in the air to be oxidized, which gives it that dark brown color and richer flavor profile. White tea is the most expensive because it doesn't undergo much of a process once it's picked. But I try to drink my tea without any sugar because guys, why the unnecessary calorie intake? And plus, this way, I can really taste the flavor profile of the leaves that I'm drinking. And I usually buy loose leaf tea because I feel like there are less steps taken from the moment the tea is plucked to the moment it ends up in your cup. And of course, please do research the tea steeping times because these do matter. For example, green tea only needs about two minutes of brew time or else it begins to taste a little acidic and strong. Whereas an herbal tea, for example, or pu'er tea, can steep in your cup for over five minutes. So do check on the steep times that coincide with the fresh tea you'll enjoy that day. The next drink that I would like to share with you is the classic hot honey lemon. Now, this is one that I make sure to have accessible to me at home all the time. It is a must. The perfect blend of sweet and sour make for a soothing drink during winter or a quick and easy remedy if you're working with a sore throat. 
On days where I have to use my voice for work, I try to have a hot honey lemon either before or after my gig to ensure that my voice and throat stay healthy and strong. Now, there's been a lot of speculation, especially in the alternative medicine world on the wonders of lemon and honey. I mean, I did some research and just the things that they claim to cure are quite extensive. But I would like to just look at both ingredients on their own to see that Individually, they have many health benefits, so I can understand why the combination of the two has created this healing elixir in the wellness world. If you think of all the health benefits of lemon, we know that lemons give us a good dose of vitamin C, and they contain citrate, which can help prevent kidney stones and help with any urinary issues. When we look at honey, this sweet nectar has been medicine for so many civilizations, dating back thousands of years. I mean, how can we not love honey? Its syrupy goodness has up to 181 different components like vitamins, minerals, amino acids, antioxidants, and the like. So yeah, it seems to be pretty good for you. Honey has also been used externally to heal wounds and burns because of its antibacterial effects, which is also why it's used to help treat coughs and other upper respiratory tract infections. One thing I learned when learning about honey is that honey is alive. There are enzymes and compounds that create the unique, delicate, and sometimes floral aroma of the honey. So if you put honey in boiling water, you will literally boil off the good stuff and degrade the nutritional quality of the honey. So, no bueno. It is said that the water you use should not exceed more than 95 degrees Fahrenheit or 35 degrees Celsius. So, I often turn off the kettle before I boil, let it sit for a few minutes before pouring the water into my lemon-honey mixture. So try it at home. Depending on what you like, you can try different kinds of honey. I love the Manuka honey, Linden honey. There's so many different kinds of honey. I would pick the honey that is the most earthy in taste, whereas the floral aroma honeys can be used for your breakfasts or your yogurts. So just experiment which honey tastes best for you or ones that are medically best for your throat or cough and go with that. The last thing to mention when it comes to my must-have drinks at home are my superfood greens, or super greens, I like to call them. I think of this powder as nutrition for the lazy. I was given my first superfood greens from my mom back in high school, where I was way more adamant in drinking a cup of greens every morning before breakfast. The greens she gave me were quite good quality with low sugar content and tasted like, you know, grass. So I was trained from a really early age to be able to down that earthy stuff. But as time went on and life got a little more complicated, so did my lack of discipline. Now I only drink my greens when I know I'm not getting an appropriate dose of veggies in my diet, or when I do choose to remember to take them. But boy, has super greens blown up over the years. And for good reason. 
These superfoods flung off supermarket shelves thanks to its stellar marketing, targeting many different kinds of people. There were the people who don't consume enough vegetables on the regular or don't like vegetables at all and thus can benefit from the nutrition from the superfood greens. Maybe it's the busy person that's always on the move and doesn't have time to eat their nutrients, but to drink them instead. And let's not forget the ladies whose overwhelming obsession for youth and vitality made them jump on the Super Greens bandwagon when news broke up that drinking this all-in-one elixir could make your skin glow, hair grow, and improve the quality and state of your nails. So it's no wonder why the superfood powders market was valued at 6.14 billion US dollars in 2021, and it's projected to grow steadily year by year. Again, nutrition for the lazy. We just don't have the time or the know-how to ingest all the minerals and vitamins that we need on a daily basis. I've tried a whole myriad of super greens brands and find that some are way too sweet and others taste a bit too bitter and bland, like I'm drinking water-grass mixture. It's just gross sometimes. But there are some brands that have gotten the formula just right and actually make it a pleasant drink to consume on the reg. A few months ago, I did order some athletic greens to try, which were really good, but oh my God, was it so expensive. I mean, like, ridiculous. So now I work within my means and I'm drinking purely inspired organic greens with superfood blend. So as I was thinking about this episode, I was actually curious to see what was in this delicious drink. And when I took a look at the ingredients on the tub, I was flabbergasted. It was more than I had even imagined. So in each scoop, I would be ingesting all organic ingredients, starting with rice flour, flaxseed, spirulina, alfalfa sprout, broccoli, daikon radish, amaranth, quinoa, millet, buckwheat, garbanzo, lentil, flaxseed, sunflower, pumpkin, chia seeds, chlorella, barley grass, wheatgrass, banana, tomato, beetroot, sweet potato, strawberry, broccoli, spinach, elderberry, carrot, cherry, blueberry, apple, pineapple. <sighs> I mean, that's a whole buttload of ingredients that you can obtain in a single scoop, is it not? But I swear, I do feel better after a glass of my super greens. I feel good on the inside knowing that perhaps I've just received an immunity boost and that I have nourished my body with essential vitamins and minerals necessary to living my most optimal life. And as I was looking at the ingredients, I also noticed that the tub of my purely inspired super greens left a message that I believe quite succinctly defines why we should be drinking our superfood greens. They say, we believe quality nutrition is a basic human right, though sometimes it can feel out of reach. By providing clean and simple formulations at affordable pricing, high quality nutrition can be accessible for all. Well, that's it for this week's episode, folks. I hope that you enjoyed it, but I would love to hear from you. What are your favorite must-have drinks that are important to you and why? Please drop me a message on Instagram at listeningwellpodcast. And for a list of all the platforms that we're streaming on, you can visit our website at listeningwellpodcast.com. It's all in the show notes. Thanks for listening well, and I'll see you next week.